Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of Two Years Away. Uh, I'm Brett, he's Steve, and this is March. Right, Steve? It is March, indeed. Yeah, and, uh, you know, John Rossi, I'll give you that one. That's it. That's all you're getting, but it's a good one. So That's a perfect transition from the end of the last podcast. Exactly. That's, oh, Man, I'm always a step ahead there. I am always looking how to just make I, – I think what, what basically what's going to happen is whenever in 50 years when we're recording our last episode of this podcast before our retirement, I will figure out exactly how you let in with the first with the first episode of Two Years Away, and it will form a perfect loop. I, I – you know what? I actually – I want to say I'm looking forward to that, but I'm not because the day that we retire from That's this true. will be the saddest day of my That's life. That's true. That's true. Um, and I hope that day never comes, to be honest. That's I, hope a, that's I, live, a, I hope I can live forever like Nicholas Flamel, and it uh, it never comes. Well, I mean, you got to drink a lot of unicorn blood then. But, you know, that's for more, for more, for more of that, uh, you can tune in uh, to uh, Wingardium Leviosa, our Harry Potter spinoff podcast, uh, which we will be starting in the next couple of weeks. Um, but enough of that for now. We have much more important things to discuss. And uh, for for those of you who may be unaware with our um, our tradition, our yearly tradition, um, every year around this time, uh, with a week or so to go until March Madness, uh, we pu- we pause the talk on the NBA and focus on the truly important matter, and that is baseball's winter meetings. Um, now, I'm not really sure if you've been paying attention to how spring training is going, but I could not care less. Let's talk about college basketball. Yeah, so. I agree. Uh, are, are the winter meetings actually taking place now? Because usually they take place about uh, a number of weeks before this. It's it's 2021. Who knows anymore? I can't even tell you what day it is right now. Um, but I do know that March Madness starts on next Friday. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, actually, but, it starts the first four starts on Thursday, Brett. Oh, the so. first four, this is true. The first four is, does start on Thursday. Um, Do not confuse all the people that may not have the calendar uh, ingrained into their head like I that's, do. That's a good point. But also, to be fair to both them and myself, uh, everything is totally different this year uh, from the entire thing taking place in the state of Indiana to uh, it starting on Friday and the second round ending on a Monday. There's a whole lot of stuff. But before we get into all of that, uh, before we do our, and we, we do have, for those unaware, um, before I kind of got off the rails there, we do around this time to do, do a March Madness preview episode. So this is, this is what we're doing right now with, uh, instead of, uh, kind of focusing on the, the post all-star game lull. Um, so before we dive into, uh, kind of a robust slate of topics for March Madness, Steve, how have you been running the damn ball recently? I mean, there's only one way to run the damn ball this time of year, and that's to text as many people that you know, this is March. Um, again, it's not glamorous. It, it's, sometimes it's fun, but sometimes it's not. Not everyone has the same amount of enthusiasm as, as you'd often like. But literally, the way that I've been running the damn ball is just by telling people that this is March as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, I'm doing it for the good of society, not for any personal enjoyment that I may get out of it. But, um, you know... Like I, like anything else in life, you know, you gotta just take your three yards and move on. And so uh, that's what I've been doing, just spreading spreading awareness, Brett. And that's that's great. I think you should move on to uh, doing like video messages of just you in the same like thing every. You know how those people do like uh, like one second a day videos for an entire year. 
I it just be you saying this is March 365 Can you tell me more about these, these people that do that? Yeah, uh, people just will film like a one second video each day and then put it together to kind of see a collage of the year. This is a thing. I do not do this, but I, I know people that we do. Should, we should maybe do that with our with our podcasts. A one second. Podcast one second every day and then just listen to it. Oh, well, not every day, but just one second from every podcast that we've ever done. I'm sure that people would want to hear that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's, uh, you know, we'll file that. We'll, we'll do that after the Harry Potter podcast. Sounds sounds great. After the Harry uh, podcast. We're, we're, we might right be over committing, though. We might be over committing, though, at that point. So, uh. All right. Yeah, maybe that's a bad idea. How are, how have you been running the damn ball? Um, so I've really like we're at that weird stage of the year where it's it's like getting warmer, and this is you know an, an example. Like today, it's like sixty degrees in Chicago, but like the last few, the last couple weeks, it's been like you know forties to fifties, and I've just been realizing like this is just the time to wear sweatpants for like an entire week, like that you really can't go wrong. I got a great new uh, new pair of of joggers uh like sweatpant type pants uh they have a yukon husky on them they're great shout out home field long story we'll tell you later off the pod um can i can i ask you a question yes have you not been wearing sweatpants all the time for the last year no i actually like have really been making an effort to put on real clothes to delineate because i like i spend all day in my bedroom like that's where my desk is and so i make the effort to delineate like sleeping versus working so I put on like jeans to go to class. You're one. You're one better than most of us. So I mean, not now. I'm, I've been wearing sweatpants for a very long time now. So it's it feels like forever at this point. They're so comfortable. But and he's just, helped too. You know, it's it's really it's really about the self care. So you really just want to want to kind of roll into that three yards. You want to get that three yards, but you want to get them in a very comfortable fashion. So that's how that's how we're rolling. Um, all right, we're done with running. Let's get into passing and shooting and defending. I don't, I don't know. I, that sounded better in my head. Um, all right. So it is March 8th. It is Monday. It's Monday night. The NCAA tournament starts next Friday. Obviously, there's a lot that is yet to happen. Um, there are the, the, the low to mid-major tournaments are happening right now. Um, I would say just from kind of a, a, a 10,000 10, yard view, uh, like a really, really high level view, there are not that many like prominent programs whose fates are undetermined, I'd say. We have a decent idea of the big names that are going to at least be in the tournament. We have a good idea of who the one seeds are going to be. Uh, so, you know, I, I and I feel like we say this every year, like the bubble is really not that big this year. I really don't think, I think, I think at this point, given how teams have, have played as a result of the pandemic, given number of games played, um, given how they've played, like we have a pretty firm idea of with, with maybe one or two exceptions of who will, um, excuse me, actually be in the tournament when it starts with the field of 68, you know, barring something weird happening where Duke wins the ACC tournament. Um, So I guess with that said, like right now, like, Let's say, you know, kind of ca- casual fan listening to this podcast, looking for some bracket advice, like what teams are you maybe without reservation, like at least putting in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight? Like teams yeah. you think have a legitimate title shot? Yeah, I mean, so, OK, I, I would almost like 
and again, like, I don't have to go super into the details, but I, I kind of, like, bucket those top teams into four different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so Gonzaga and Baylor, I think, are um, maybe not totally separated from the rest of the field, but I think over the course of the year, they've proven kind of with their resume that they have probably the least amount of flaws of um, the rest of their peers kind of at that high level. Uh, but I mean, but not, that's not to say they're not without flaws. I mean, you know, Gonzaga hasn't lost a game this year, and they've played some pretty good competition in the non-conference. But I think if you're a fan thinking about putting them as your, your national title team, you know, you have to wonder. They haven't really played a, a game against a legitimate team since December 26th. Um, and, you know, it's just you wonder the first time they get pressed if it's an, an important game in the tournament, you know, like do they have enough in them to – respond when punched and I, I think it's a legitimate thing you have to think about with that team uh, Baylor's kind of got the opposite problem where you know they've had a couple of COVID stoppages but they played really tough competition throughout the year and they're kind of getting their feet back under them but um, you know uh, you their uh, their team philosophy and the way they play is a little bit it's kind of polar opposite of Gonzaga's to be honest so they're, they're two really different teams there um, I, I think then the, and maybe I'll, I'll stop after this, but the next like tier of team that I would talk about are kind of the, the jumble of teams at the top of the Big Ten that are all looking like they're going to be one or two seasons. There's, there's four of them, Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, and Ohio State, all, um, all have flaws, uh, but all have put together pretty impressive resumes. Um, again, they're they're all vulnerable and we can, we can go into each of them and why, but I think, um, to me, they, uh, they seem like they're a little bit overseeded because the big 10 has had just such a good reputation this year. Um, but they've also shown that they can all play like really good solid basketball at times too. And so I, I think, you know, you could, fill out a bracket and reasonably have any of those four teams, you know, the last team standing and have a legitimate argument for why. Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, anybody who's even remotely paid attention to college basketball this year kind of knows it's, it's Baylor Gonzaga in whatever order you prefer. And then kind of everybody else. And, you know, I mean, maybe if, if things go a certain, a certain, you know, results are a little bit different on Saturday in East Lansing, we're talking about Michigan up there too. Um, Illinois, is you know was kind of figuring out how to play without Iowa Sudamu. We're not, you know, no one's really a hundred percent sure how he's reacting to the mask, but a big win in Columbus. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's you know Gonzaga is obviously an interesting case because they can pretty much waltz through the the West Coast Conference playing, you know, eighty percent of whatever they need to to get by. But I think. Mark Few has real, really realized that, like, they need those early season tune-ups against your Kansases, your Virginias, your, you know, kind of who they were supposed to play Baylor um, before that game got canceled. Um, something I really – so, you know, they obviously – I think Gonzaga is the best team in the country, but, you know, I think, as as we were talking about a little bit before the show, you pointed out that they've been giving up a lot of, the, a lot of points to um, these, you know, crappy West Coast Conference teams, and – 
you know, maybe maybe that's a, a, a factor of just having the fourth highest adjusted tempo in the country. Um, but and, you know, that obviously the games will slow down once we get farther into the tournament and, and things get a little bit more tactical. And that's where you'd kind of expect talent to win out. But, you know, it's something to at least has that it has to be considered. Baylor's had a couple COVID laughs and they actually re- their first game back after the most recent COVID laugh, I believe, was against Iowa State. And they were, I think, like. 18 point favorites or something like that ended up winning by like four against a really horrible Iowa state team. Then they lost, I believe to Texas for correct me if I'm wrong. No, Kansas. Sorry. They, they lost and played pretty badly against Kansas, but then, uh, you know, they three straight games against, against ranked teams and have, have played a lot better. Um, you know, eking by West Virginia and then beating Oklahoma state and Texas tech handily. Um, so you know you can you can definitely make the argument that they're they're getting there. Although it is very weird to see to really kind of put all your hopes into a team where maybe their like third best player can't actually do anything well on the basketball court. Um, I mean, I love Mark Vital, but like he really can't do anything on the basketball court well. Um, I want to I want to stay on the Big Twelve for a second. Yeah, I think um, I think almost the the Big Twelve kind of has the opposite problem that all those big 10 teams that i i just talked about there are seven like legitimate top 20 teams in the big 12 Mm -hmm. and they've they've been kind of cannibalizing each other where i think if you look at those top four teams in the big 10 they have um been very very solid against the middle and the bottom of the conference uh, and have cannibalized a little bit of each other but like i think you take a look at like a Oklahoma State or West Virginia, a Texas, like even Kansas. I don't think these teams are any worse than like I, I think they're at the same level as like a Michigan, you know, or a, a Iowa or a Ohio State. I just think they're ranked a little bit lower because there's been a little bit more cannibalism among those teams. I mean, like a team that I would want no part of in the tournament is Texas Tech. Um, it, it just with with their with the way they play defense, you know, with the with the way that like McClung can can light it up. Yeah, um, and, and so I just I think those teams, like you could talk yourself into any of them as a Final Four team as well. Yeah, and it, you know it's uh, interesting sticking with Texas Tech for a second. Um, I you know Chris Beard has developed a reputation specific. I mean in Lubbock specifically of hard-nosed, like, defensive-oriented teams that usually have, like, an NBA guy that can create whether create his own shot, whether that's Jarrett Culver, whether, that, whether that's Jamius Ramsey. I mean, maybe Mac McClung isn't quite NBA skill level, but, I mean, the dude can the dude can play. He's, but, he's, a, he's a tournament yeah. dude. Yeah, he's, he's right. Yeah. So, but the, the interesting thing is, their defense has actually suffered a little bit this year, and they're just... I. Crap, I need to find the article. Um, there, I read a really good article about them where they're still playing the same style of defense, but they don't quite have the defensive playmakers and they don't have the inside presence that they're used to with um, like Tariq Owens from the from the run in the national championship a couple of years ago. And they're just, they're shooting more this year. So I think what you're seeing is you're seeing a like, you know, their, their, their offense is scoring more and they're playing at a faster pace than I believe normal. I mean, granted, they still play really slow, but they're, um, and their defense has fallen off just, just a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I, so the last time they had a defense outside the top 10 per Ken Palm was 
uh, Chris Beard's first year. So that's 2017. And they're, they're back in around 30 this year. So you're seeing a little bit of a drop off. And as someone, you know, I, I, I really think that, you know, if, if you're planning on a bracket and you're looking for really like, if you really want one sticking point to drive home, look at defense, like, there have there has not been one national champion, I believe, outside the top twenty of Ken Palm's defensive efficiency margins uh, in a really long time, if ever. So that's something to think about. But I don't think they've ever quite Texas Tech has ever quite had a an offensive dynamic scorer like Mac McClung. Even Jarrett Culver, he was obviously a better NBA prospect, but he couldn't quite control the offensive flow of a game like McClung can. And I think I think just you look across the Big Twelve, and honestly, so yeah, you look across the Big Twelve, and I mean those those teams are tough. You know, they've all mm-hmm. got like they've all got big guys that you know you're scared to you're scared to drive on. Like they foul a lot. They, they they're almost. I mean, in a way, they're kind of designed like. A Big Ten team would be designed just with a little bit more like athleticism, whereas a lot of these Big Ten teams are a little bit more flashier on offense. I would really like, I would really get up for like an Iowa Oklahoma State game. Like, I think that'd be like a really fun Sweet 16 game. So maybe some of these teams will will match up so we can kind of get the, the true battle there. But yeah. I think the other subset of teams that I want to talk about, which I think are, are similar to these Big 12 teams, are the. Uh, Three other teams from like the the South that this Alabama, Arkansas, and like Houston kind of threesome I think is also fascinating because well first of all I, I don't I mean Houston you know they kind of have a similar issue with Gonzaga with their schedule um, where their record might be a little bit inflated and you know because there's been more cannibalism than this year in the like top fifteen you know they're kind of sitting there on the two line but are they really a two seed I don't know. Um, you know, Alabama and Arkansas have really taken advantage of a terrible SEC this year. So, how good really are they? Um, I think fair question to ask. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at Houston right now, and they do have a really impressive win over Texas Tech. Um, they haven't beaten a top twenty team this year, and it, you know, it's 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 hard to run the table in conference, even in a conference like the American, where they're very clearly the class of the conference. Um, but I mean, you know, you look at their losses. They lost. They lost to a, a close game to a mediocre Tulsa team. They lost to a bad East Carolina team, and then you know, Wichita State's not great either. And their best conference win is is you know the 40th best team per Ken Palm in in Memphis, and that was this past game. And it was a, it was a you know a real the one that I mean they hit a game winner from what like two feet inside half court. Yeah, I mean, look. Like, well, if you're looking for a two seed to that's going to lose to a seven, like yeah. in the second round, this this would be my pick. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I also think that like, but any any team that has Quentin Grimes is is you know he's going to put up a hell of a fight against anybody. I mean he's 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 proven time and time again that he is a big time player. So and you know I th- I think we'll get we'll get more into that I think when we when we talk about um, some other stuff later on. But yeah, I think. So, I, I, you know, you mentioned you mentioned kind of the teams at the top of the Big Ten, and I just in in my in just you know with with how I look at teams and how I try to gauge success for later on in the tournament. In good faith, I can't put Iowa or Ohio State anywhere near my Final Four. 
I just, they don't have the defensive chops. And I think Ohio State specifically has gotten like very lucky to have elite mid-range shooting this year. And, you know, they have a lot of really good pieces and I think they're going to be really good next year once they tighten up perimeter defense and maybe get a little more size to complement EJ Liddell. But like, it's, that's going to be a tough one. And then Iowa, I, you know, Luca Garza is, is great. That team is way too reliant on the three ball. And I think Fran is going to blow his top and lose them again. Yeah. I mean, I, I could like Iowa should be a prime candidate for like yeah. early upset. I, Iowa, if, if they get matched up against a team, like, I mean, I'm looking at it. We could lose to a 15 seed. Like I, I wouldn't, I don't think it. I always got too much. Garza's too much to handle for, I mean, the, the, the projected 15 seeds right now are like Cleveland state and Georgia state and Southern Utah. Like he's, he's got way too much size yeah, for those guys. Be Georgia state. They lost. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. They did lose today. So that bumps up like Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon actually has some size, um, but their their guys aren't anywhere near as talented. But, I mean, if you're looking at them playing a seven seed, um, I mean, Florida could give them fits with all their athleticism. And same thing. I mean, you know, UNC's got kind of a guy, a bunch of guys that maybe haven't necessarily lived up their potential, but are still going to be highly, highly rated recruits that, are going to, you know, put up a fight on the boards, especially. So I think any team like that, that really is overly reliant on their offense and can't necessarily put a, a full, a full game together or has trouble doing so and gives up a lot of points. I mean, I always got the the 61st rated defense in college basketball right now. That's not a rep. That's not a recipe for, for ending up in, in the final four. Um, but to your, to your point about Alabama, you know, it is interesting because the, the numbers do say they have a really, really elite defense. But I think a function of that is how fast they play and they really hurry up their opponents and, you know, turn them over a lot. And they also just hit a bunch of threes also. So they have a better they're, they're basically like a better, better defense version of, of Iowa. And just the fact they're overly reliant on the three ball. If it's not falling, they're screwed. Yeah, I, I just worry with like with pedigree with with that team. Um, you know, I uh, yeah, I like. They they don't really have a, I mean they, they've got a couple of good players but like not like a true alpha. Um, they're they're really disruptive on defense, but like with them it'd be, you know like who's like you know when they need big shots to be made are are they going to be able to? And I just I like I'm really low on SEC this year as I am most years. I was going to say, is there a year you're not? <laughs> um, and so I I would I would stay away from them. Yeah, I mean I actually I. I think there's a decent chance that Arkansas goes goes farther than they do in the tournament. I kind of like this Arkansas team. They've got, you know, enough guys. Musselman's Musselman's a proven coach. Um, you know, they've got they've got some guys that can hit some shots and they play decent defense. Um, it's just again, these guys haven't been there before, so it's kind of impossible to predict how they'll they'll react to being on the big stage. Um, I, I don't know that I share your your strong opinion on defense mattering. Um, no, I like, yeah, you're right about the, the stat that you said, I think about a team outside the top 20, not when like, that, like that's a powerful stat. Um, but I think, and trust me, like I was a bad example to call out here, but I think in, in the tournament where it's one game, you know, and you're not playing a seven game series, I do think that, uh, you, you'd probably almost rather be able to hang your hat on a really good offense than a really good defense because, you know, teams get hot. And so I think, I guess, like, my one word of caution would be 
like what what people who don't watch like a lot of college basketball don't realize is that like when you get into the tournament like if you're knocked off your guard for five minutes like you'll find yourself down seven points and like you need guys to be able to make shots and it doesn't matter how good your defense is because like as Virginia learned like a couple of years ago like if teams just make shots like there's nothing you can do about it your scheme like all that stuff doesn't matter um and so like the thing that you're probably leaving out when you say that all these like good defensive teams always win is that they always usually have good playmakers on offense that are big shot makers. And so I, I don't think that you can win as just a good defensive team. Um, and so uh, that's what scares me about like an Alabama person. That's fair. No, and I, I, you're right. You're right. I should have, I should have probably phrased what I was saying a little bit better. I think it's more just like, you can't totally ignore the defensive end and win the title. I, I think that's, yeah, I, I, that's a better. I think I think you're right. That's a that's a better way to phrase it because, you, like you said, yeah, you still need, like you know, even the Virgi- the Virginia team that won the title, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, like those are dudes you trusted with the ball in their hands to make the right play and hit the shot. But and, and I think just the the one thing that I would say to that is that to win the title, and again, like I know we're like there's different measures of success in the tournament, but like I agree with you to win the title. Like, you can't ignore the defense side of the field, of the of the ball. But to make it to the Final Four, I don't, like, Iowa can make the Final Four. And, again, like, I'm, I'm sticking with Iowa. I hate that example. But, like, Iowa can make the Final Four because they've got you can get enough guys the best to make player sure in the country. And they've got guys that can hit threes. And, yes, they're too reliant on it. But, you know, all that matters is how many alphas you have in some yeah. of these games. And they have multiple. So yeah. that's no, that's that's fair. And now, now that you mentioned uh, the, the Luca Garza, you know the best best player in the country, presumptive Wooden Award winner. Um, let's let's just kind of run through quickly a few guys you're looking at, like that can kind of pull a like a Kemba Kemba Walker, like kind of drag your team, Sweet Sixteen beyond, like you know just a guy a guy that maybe flying you know on teams that are flying a little bit under the radar that uh, you're really looking to. To, to kind of win a couple games for their guys. Okay, well, not, like, maybe not, like, under the radar. It's okay, Cunningham, it's okay. Well, okay, I, I was going to say him, but I think another another guy from that conference on a team that has a little bit more pedigree is uh, is is uh, Austin Reeves. Yeah. Uh, on Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's, like, a tournament guy that I would yeah. not want to get hot, and especially, like, on that team with a coach that's been around you know, that Oklahoma, I, I, we didn't talk about them when we were talking about all these Big 12 teams, but um, I want no part of them. But I think a more under-the-radar guy who I really hope that we get the chance to to see him drag his team to the Sweet 16 is Derek Austin Jr. Um, on Boise State. That is that is a bold, bold prediction there. I do not think they're going to make the tournament. <laughs> well, we'll see. But it's, it's bubble-ish yeah. right now. But. Dude's, a, dude's, a, dude's a hell of a player, though. I, I You know, it... it, it it uh, usually in most years it takes it's it's a lot to get me to watch Boise State play anybody that's not like Utah State or uh, or San Diego State. Um, hey, there've been some wild Mountain West. Games. Mountain West has been absolutely absurd recently, and honestly, they like I don't know if you were following this, but like they made Colorado State play like an extra game against I think Fresno State. I, I watched I watched the whole second half of that. Yeah. yeah, and they lost, and like that might cost them a tournament bid. Like it's yeah. it's. Truly, the conference has literally done nothing but shoot itself in the foot this entire season, and it's been uh, insane to watch. 
Yes, it, it is. It, it, this is March. It it truly is. I mean, it's yeah. So, uh, it was. Did you have any other guys you're thinking of, or? Uh, well, you can you can go. Yeah. So I think honestly, a team that I really never thought would be we'd be talking about right now um, is the Yukon Huskies and uh, James Booknight yeah. is man, especially cause you know, he came back, he came back from a, an elbow injury. His first game back was against Villanova. They lost by eight and you know, it, it really wasn't that close, um, but they've reeled off four straight wins. I mean, granted they beat Georgetown twice, Marquette and Seton hall, but like the, the Yukon sitting at 14 and six, they don't really have any bad losses. They lost to Villanova, Creighton twice, St. John, Seton Hall, and Providence. Like, and man, Booknight, Booknight can play. That dude is just a gamer. He's not, you know, quite the the Kemba Shabazz Napier mold of of like undersized guards that have that insane step back. But he can get to, he can get to them. He can finish. He can find his his teammates. Um, and you know, I mean. I, I wouldn't be surprised if UConn kind of ends up with a, a less than ideal uh, seed. Um, right now they're listed as a nine, and you know if they draw like Oregon in the first round or whatever, that would be real tough. But uh, I could definitely – if they find a way out of that first game, I would be very intrigued watching him play a one seed. Um, and then – so it's actually staying with another team I just mentioned, uh, Oregon, Chris Duarte has just – you know, he's the presumptive Pac-12 player of the year. Uh, I feel like the Pac-12 has really, really flown under the radar this year because the the team that everyone kind of expected to take the, next, the, the leap uh, with USC has kind of been floundering recently. They basically coughed up any chance they they had at a, at a, at a conference title, even with a top five pick there in, uh, in Evan Mobley. And uh, so, yeah, Oregon has really, you know, they, they also had a couple, a couple COVID pauses. So, there are not a lot of people watching, watching them this this season. But I really think that Duarte is like you know one of those guys where it, it reminds me of of the Peyton Pritchard teams where it's like you have a senior leader who's got the ball in his hands basically the entire game, can hit shots, can find his teammates, and you know the supporting cast is good enough that you know he can still put up twenty a game and and they're they're winning and they're winning a lot of games recently. So. Um, he's another guy. And then I had one more, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, my, my adopted second team here. And that is Cameron Crutwig out of uh, Loyola Chicago. Um, honestly, like, I mean, the, the dude's got a brilliant, brilliant, disgusting mustache. And that's like only the like sixth best thing about him. Um, I mean, he, he, he is, you know, this is going to sound dumb, but I mean, he's, People, people have actually, I mean, people have been jokingly comparing him to Nikola Jokic just for not necessarily the shooting touch, but like how he affects the game, especially out of the high post with his passing vision. And I mean, the size is, you know, a pretty, pretty big, pretty solid comparison as well. But um, I mean, he's, he's a guy that is like an exclusively finesse big man who isn't afraid to like get physical, but mostly, I mean, his footwork's impeccable. He's a really great, really great passing vision and, and can can knock down shots when you need him to. Um, I mean, that that Loyola team is, you know, kind of the ultimate like this is a bunch of dudes that just play really well together because they have for their they're two best players are seniors. They were both on that final four team from a few years ago. Um, and and if if they are trying to make a similar run, I think they're the odds of them, you know, they'll end up probably as an eight or a nine seed, which is definitely 
not ideal, but uh, Crutwig will have a big say if they if they're able to push it to the Sweet 16 again. Yeah, I think the the maybe more realistic uh, comp for him, especially considering the the mustache, is Matt Howard uh, from that that Butler team. Butler teams. Uh, Howard was more just like a dude that just lived to be scrappy, though. Yeah, like- uh, no, Crutwig's Kr- got actual skill. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think it, it's it's interesting with these mid-major programs that kind of have their Cinderella moment, but then they they actually build a you know they build an empire in their conference, and you know when when it comes tournament time, you know they're not like they're to be taken seriously as like a VCU and Wichita State mm-hmm. um, things like that have taught us. So um, no, yeah. I, I agree. I think uh, yeah, they're unfortunately in kind of more of a tweeter position from a seating perspective this year than a yeah. true Cinderella. Um, but I mean, no, they've, they've marched through, they've they played really good basketball. So yeah, definitely watch out for them. And is this, is this the last Harabu before we see Porter Moser take over for Chris Collins in Evanston? Maybe. Makes yeah. you think. Yeah. Now, really uh, now I'm done thinking about it. That's fair. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, those, those are, those are some, some people to keep your eyes on. I think, especially as we're, we're finishing up, conference tournament season so now i think it is time to move into the centerpiece of the pod uh the fan favorite actually not the fan favorite that's coming later uh the the uh just all reliable really uh where we pay homage to the patron saint of our podcast jeff supon uh with the supon segment by discussing any and everything average in our lives so steve what do you got um so a couple weekends ago i was lucky enough to visit the town of Watertown, South Dakota. Um, yeah, and the look on your what? face says it all. Um, yes, I spent I spent approximately twenty five minutes on the ground in Watertown, oh. South Dakota, um, uh, in a air travel escapade. And I'll tell you, it's like this beautiful. First of all, I've never been to South Dakota, um, which it's like really. South Dakota is not really an average state because, like, it's not a state that people go to frequently, um, which either makes it less than average or better than average. But um, I thought of, you know, my experience in Watertown, South Dakota, uh, the view from landing at the airport to the airport was just fantastic. One of those one-gate airports, a couple flights a day, you know, you can see the whole city uh, when you land. Um, it, was, it was snowing, um, you know, the, the sh- streets didn't look like they were uh, plowed at all. So um, really got the, the full American experience there. Um, in fact, I actually did not even have to leave the airplane um, when I was connecting through there. So it was, it was quite the fun experience. But anyway, if you guys have a chance and you're ever in the, uh, the southwestern part of South Dakota, check out Watertown. Great experience. That's that's good to know. I'll have to I'll have to add that to our our potential destination uh, list for uh, the two years away field trip. Yeah, you can do that. What's what's been average in your life? All right. So right now uh, I'm in the throes of midterms. Uh, so just there's a lot going on. Papers, midterm, like exams, all that stuff, and uh, it's really left me with not that much time to like worry about make like making making dinner for myself so i've been eating so much pasta recently and not even like doing anything exciting about it but like you know it's one of those things you you just put in the work you make pasta for 10 minutes throw some marinara sauce on it and 
maybe maybe make a vegetable and that's 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 dinner for like most part of a week so it's uh you know there's not there's not really time to go to the grocery store and you just you know the nice thing is you know what you're getting every time because it's really easy to make uh the not great thing is that you're just you know variety is a premium right now and uh so i think that's just I feel like pasta with marinara sauce is about as average of a dinner as you can make at this point. In a, uh, I'm offended. That's one of my favorite foods. Um, and just, I'm, I'm just, doing it because I like it. I like it. It's just, by the way. Brett's talking about gluten-free pasta, um, which is definitely inferior. To I mean, that's probably that's I. I wouldn't know the difference. Uh, so well, so the, the audience knows though. One, one of them. One of them would. One of them would make me sick. That would be the difference. Um, but yeah, it's just been. I mean, I don't know. There's no reason anybody should eat pasta four nights a week that's, no 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 that's that's what i'm saying i'm yeah. not saying it'd be like i'm doing this once every week like that would be more than fine it's just uh you know midterms brings out a pretty average dietary habit that's understandable jeff yeah. would jeff would agree jeff would agree and that's you know that's really all i've ever wanted uh out of this podcast so you know we can we can we can keep it rolling um all right. I know we've we've kind of already touched on a couple. Just getting back into the the March Madness thing, uh, touched on a couple of the the mid mid to low major teams that we're looking at, but uh, some other ones maybe you're keeping an eye out on to spring a, a one or two upsets or to kind of scare a team they shouldn't. Yeah, a team, and these have nothing to do with the actual basketball abilities of these teams, uh, aside from the last one that I might talk about. But I'm really excited to. Um, see if Southern Utah can win their conference tournament and, and make it in. So they won the big sky for literally the first time ever. Um, and so when Thunderbirds, uh, I don't know what they're honestly look it up because I don't know what their, uh, nickname is, but yeah, uh, really excited when teams that you've never heard of Thunderbirds all of a sudden make noise in March. So I think, I think, all, most brackets have them on the 15 line, so uh, Alabama, watch out. Iowa, watch out. Um, and, and a Southern Utah-Iowa matchup in the first round somehow feels right. Like, that would be a perfect, like, uh, that'd be a perfect, like, 9-10 central pip in Spokane if, uh, you know, if they were doing that. Um, I was going to say, they're which, not which, playing games which, in Spokane this which, year. Which, by the way, though, they, they still have the late-night tips um, with the way the TV schedule lines up, even though they're all in Indianapolis. Oh, God, those poor I, kids are going to be tipping at, like, 10 p.m. Eastern. I mean, it's, it's going to be worse than that because, like, when you factor in the double overtime games and such, like, there's going to be a game that tips at midnight Eastern. Um, and, 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 we, and we will be up watching all of it. Well, I mean, of course we will, but good God, like, yeah, can you imagine trying to your max-level no. athletic exertion at that time? And then, of course, they're going to schedule that team for, like, the... The, you know, 11 a.m. start when they play yeah. their second game. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Southern Utah, check them out. I think the other thing, uh, the most controversial institution in all of America right now, uh, Liberty is uh, heading to the tournament, and they actually clinched their spot without uh, a day before actually winning their conference tournament. So, yeah, uh, they're an interesting that's play, the, but they've. Uh, that's they've, like the third worst rule in all of college basketball, by the way. The four year wait between. D2 and D1. Yeah, you should talk to Bellamarine fans about that. Bellamarine? Yeah, whatever. However <laughs> you pronounce it. Even Northern, Northern Alabama, too, which I didn't realize. Like, they weren't eligible either. Yeah. Even if they won that, even if they won their conference title. 
Same uh, with uh, Merrimack, I think. And Baker's... No, Cal Baptist is eligible now. Sorry, continue. No, I just... Like, okay, on a serious note, like, Toledo might be an actually good team. Uh, they won the MAC by a couple of games, and yeah, conferences usually does well in the tournament, so I'd watch out for them. Um, the one bubble team that I think actually a lot of people have been have been selling on, but I might actually buy them in the camp of they were overrated, but now they're they got so overrated that now they're underrated. Is is Drake? Um, yeah. Drake's a weird case, right? Like, their two best players are injured. Like, they both broke their feet during the conference tournament. If I No, one of them, one of them last regular season game against Loyola, one of them the first round of the conference tournament. But from what, like, I, I watched most of their game against Loyola and had been kind of following them throughout the season. I mean, they, they I, I don't know. Like, they're, they're tough. And, you know, I, it, would, it would suck if, like, the committee considers that and leaves them out because I think their resume is probably good enough to just sneak in. But that's, that's, that's where I am, right? Like, you finish, they started out, what, like 13-0, and 0, beat, I mean, Kansas State sucks, but they beat Kansas State. And they come in second in their conference and then lose in the conference title game. I mean, yeah, in a, in a normal world, I think, like, yeah, put them in over, I don't know, Syracuse. Like, please and thank you. We don't need Jim Beheim back in this tournament. But I, I, I know that the committee does, and they're going to do this with Villanova, too, with Colin Gillespie hurt. Like, they look at that because they kind of have to. And it sucks, but I would... I would love to see Drake in this tournament. I, I really think they, they deserve it, but I, I don't know if the committee will see it our way. Who are your who are your teams? Yeah, so I'm looking at a team that ran right through their conference tournament, ran right through their conference. I'm looking at the Winthrop Eagles. Uh, they're in line to be about a 12 seed. So I can already, like, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be the team that's picked so much to beat, like, USC say and like they have they have the talent to do it dj burns hell of a player um you know it's but it's all going to be it's it's all going to be a matter of like like it is with any mid-major like is is it gonna are they gonna be able to make i mean yeah winthrop's 23 and one but their best win is Furman, and that was december 19th they haven't played they've played two teams in the top 100 in ken palm um and normally they would you know in a normal season they would have a little bit more uh, strength to their schedule. Obviously, not really easy to do this year given COVID. But they w- they probably would have had a you know a Duke or a UNC or a couple other ACC teams on the schedule to kind of really stack the resume. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there is a lot of talent on that team. Um, so we'll see. I think you know, especially if a t- uh, five seeds over looking past them, they're really going to surprise because they can they can score. Um, and they can, they actually play really solid defense too. Um, other teams I am really looking at, um, I mean, I mentioned Loyola, they don't really count cause they won't, they'll be, you know, they'll be down, they'll be kind of high up there. Um, you had mentioned Toledo, I think coming out, coming out of a, a pretty solid Mac conference, winning that by a couple games, uh, definitely, definitely, uh, puts teams on notice Colgate out of the Patriot league. They won that, they won that league by like 50 games and, and, you know, I think they've only lost once this season. And another team, you know, I TBD on if they actually get into the tournament. 
Western Kentucky has a, a weird amount of talent, um, probably because Rick Stansberry is paying literally everybody on that roster. Uh, but I mean, Charles Bassey could be an NBA player and he is, he's huge and he can actually like move. Um, he's good footwork, like not a bad, not a, not a liability defensively, um, quite for, quite far from it. But, um, that's another team where like their size can really disrupt some things. Um, so I think that's, that's a team. And then if we really want to, we really want to dig deep here, uh, Let's throw out the let's throw out Bryant out of the NEC. Uh, assuming, you know, they they they've had COVID issues and they kind of had to rework their tournament schedule. But this team almost beat Syracuse. Um, they've got they've got a couple guys that can score. I mean, granted, they're probably going to be a 16 seed, maybe a 15 seed. But um, any team that can kind of put up points like they can is at least enough to scare a team uh, in the first round. And moving on, I lost our itinerary. That's not good. Um, all right, any just kind of real quick, any any teams you're thinking of top five top, that are, that could be top five seeds that you're really looking to lose in maybe the first or second round? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about some of these before, um, but the the big ones that I had on my radar are Houston. Um, I'm really not a big fan of them, um, and so I would just be careful with them. I think the the other obvious one that's out there, which you probably had too, is Villanova. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we'll see where their seed ends up, but like losing Colin, I mean, you're just you're not going to recover from that. So. And Jones too, uh, after hurting his ankle last weekend. Yeah, um, but the the more weird situation that I really am like, Ugh, like, what do we do about this? Is Creighton, um, and again. Yeah. We'll see if we'll see where they end up because I think they're kind of on the five six line now. Yeah. Um, but ugh, like, yeah. Uh, talk about talk about exactly what you don't need right at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, so you know you can ask all these questions to like, what do the players think? Like, what is the administration doing? Like, what? Uh, like, what is, is this? Like, should he have a job or not? Um, I just I don't. I mean. Like, yeah, I, I just, I don't, like, you wonder if he's going to have the locker room or not. You wonder if, like, the play, like, you wonder if, like, you, you wonder whether, like, the media is overblowing this or, I mean, I, I think on the other opposite, like, maybe the media is overblowing the whole thing. Like, I don't know. Um, it just, like, this is one of these things where, like, if it's a close game, you know, is the trust there to be able to, you know, come together and like make a big shot when you need to. And oh god, I could like see them. Lo- I could see them losing in the first round by like thirty to a twelve seed. You know, but I could also see them channeling this into something and like you know making a run. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think we'll get a pretty good indication because I, I I believe I read today that McDermott will be coaching in the Big East tournament, and I think that will give us like if they flame out in the in the first game they play, like that'll put a lot of people on notice to really pick against them in the first round, I think. Because I think I think that's a tough turnaround to, like, if they get blown out by, like, I don't, I don't even know who they're playing in their first game. But, um, yeah, it's, I think, I think the, the first game especially uh, will will really tell us a lot. It does not say who they're playing. Um, so, yeah, whoever comes out of that play-in game, I think it will be will be a big, big and interesting test. Um, I, and I, I've mentioned this before. Um, I'm, I'm really not sold on Ohio State. Um I really think that their their mid range luck will run out eventually. If they if they play like a Grand Canyon or a or a 
a, a low major con- a low major team with a lot of size and and you know a couple athletic guards i think they could give them a lot of trouble because they're not particularly strong defensively and you know if there are teams contesting those mid-range jumpers that they really like taking they could run into some trouble um and i mean if we're looking at teams that could be five seeds like USC should be so much better than they are. They're playing badly at the wrong time. Uh, and I, I, I think they're, I don't think they're winning more than one game in this tournament. Um, even with presumptive NBA, you know, top five pick Evan Mobley, uh, who is really, really good and really fun to watch. But the rest of that team isn't very good. And I think we're finally realizing that you probably shouldn't just hire the t- the guy that uh, took a 15 seed to the, to the Sweet 16. So, uh I don't think any Enfield is a good coach um, at all. Yeah. I, when when that happened, and excuse my French here, when, when that happened back when we, we were in school, yeah. the way that we described this was this was just the ultimate, fuck it, let's see if this works, move. And I mean, it yeah. was, yeah. Right, and like, one, uh, a listener of this podcast is, is a USC basketball fan, and he's kind of like, yeah, this is always just like, been a mediocre program as long as I've been a fan. And it's like, so like you, you have to kind of make that splash higher, I guess. Like, you know, cause I think the coach before him was Tim Floyd. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm almost positive. He was the like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he was a little bit before. Okay. He coached in 2009, but like, I mean, you're, you're rolling with dudes like that. And it's like, there's you're you're not in a in a great place so you kind of have to go after the the hot like guy that just took a 15 seat of the sweet 16 and just kind of hope he works out like sure the recruiting's been fine but like anyways that's another discussion uh i think now it is time to wrap things up but before we go uh it is time to fire that guy um let's fire some guys all right um this might be a little bit unpopular to take but um I'm gonna fire in in the in the spirit of my excitement for March. I'm gonna have to direct some anger to, um, and not actually one person, but a group of people. I'm actually gonna fire the entire Ivy League um, because Ivy League canceled their basketball season um, in kind of a you know in a in a move that elicited a lot of um, kind of patronizing vibes. Um, and every other league was able to get their season in successfully. And I feel like there's gotta be a, there's, there's, there's gotta be some people that are potentially second guessing that decision. Um, so, you know, and it's interesting actually in, in kind of a, um, I, I do have a little bit of respect for them for not like backing away from that decision. Kind of like some of these conferences did in football season this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, the Ivy League needs to be held accountable for that decision, which I don't think was the right one. Um, and they really owe it to those students, too, that they potentially screwed over. So that is uh, all of my negative vibes with March are going to be directed there. And I'm going to leave that at that. Brett, who are you firing? OK, I'm, I push back a little bit. I think like the athletic numbers rolling in for the Ivy League basketball program are not like making or breaking anything. I think they're losing next to nothing and everyone's getting another year of eligibility. Like, I think, I think everything will be okay. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm also sad. We didn't get to see Yale push a five seed to the brink, but like they'll, they'll live to fight another day. Um, 
They so I I am not firing a person this time. I am firing a part of technology. Um, so I really really hate when I like you know how you, you, um, companies sell your data and you get on these email lists, right? Like you, you know I'm on eight thousand different like political list serves. I get stuff from um, all these all just like Burlington Coat Factory. I'm just looking at my my email inbox right now. Can I ask you a question. Yes. Have you heard of unsubscribe? Well, let me get there because this is where I'm going. Because for the most part, like usually like 70% of the time, like you click unsubscribe, you never hear from any of these companies again. However, it's the 30% of companies that do not let you unsubscribe, regardless of how many times you call you, you click this unsubscribe button, how many, ever many times you tell them like, please, I do not want any more of your goddamn emails. It is truly absurd. And especially because I used to work for a company that would continue sending you catalogs even after you told them you did not want to because it was cheaper for them to just keep sending you them than to stop to tell someone to like take you off an email list or a, oh, sorry, a physical mail list. So yeah, and all these companies that like do not accept my request to unsubscribe, I'm firing all of you. I, that was like one of your, that was one of your better rants. Um, I, I, I applaud you on that. That was, that Thank was you. Great. I don't need the group on deal of the day every day. I've tried unsubscribing from that one like six times. You you've rehearsed this before. There's there's no yeah. way this is just coming. No, this was this was. I had forgotten that this was on my list of things to fire, and saw it right now. So oh, well, that was that was a professionally done rant. I'm, so, I'm glad uh, you think so. I hope I hope the I hope the listeners love it. They should they should yeah. give as much love for that as you deserve. I, you know, really I appreciate that. But if, if any of our listeners do have someone they want to fire or something that's average or just, you know, want to say hi, you can drop us an email, two years away pod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at two underscore years underscore away. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please rate and review us. Five stars would be real nice. That'd be that'd be that'd be very nice. Uh you can uh and also you can like you know how that movie Love Actually, like where they're they're the guy standing outside with the the, the signs? Go do that at Steve's apartment. Uh, I'm sure he'll really appreciate it. I, I would welcome nothing more than that. I am uh, the happiest that I'll be all year because it's March. So I welcome any any and all of those type of activities to be done, uh, specifically right outside my yeah. window where there's a nice little light that you can do it from. Yeah, exactly. See, you know, everyone's on board here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time when we resume our NBA side of things and go Badgers. This is March.